Chapter 5 of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, a Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 5 In the Desert of Sinai. God, if I must die, let me die in the land of my fathers. Slay me not in this wilderness, I beseech thee. The voice that had spoken these words faltered, died away into silence, then broke forth anew in a stifled wail. I have sinned, I have sinned, but have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness and the multitude of thy tender mercies. Again there was silence the silence which beats in upon the brain with the awfulness of eternity. The man who had ventured to break the terrible stillness with his pretty clamor sat up and looked about him with wild eyes. On either side towered vast precipitous heights of naked rock, blood red, where the sun smote them, purplish black where the shadows fell. In the narrow valley where he crouched, sand, also the color of blood, lay in wrinkled waves about the huge fantastic boulders, splintered off from the crags above by some titanic hammer. Overhead, the fierce blue of the sky, unsoftened by fleece of cloud or fleck of wing, closed in the narrow space between the jagged cliffs. Stay! There is a black speck high above yonder crag. The wretch on the sand stared at it with unwinking eyes. The black speck resolved itself into a body with wings. A bird, muttered the man. Another speck appeared from behind the highest of the blood-red crags. Then another, and another. More birds, repeated the man, still staring stupidly. One, two three, four, five, six. They are. He burst into a ghastly shriek and tottering to his feet ran blindly down the narrow valley. The six vultures circling on motionless wing looked down unmoved. What matter if the thing below them crawled yet a little further? The word had gone forth. They must feast tonight. They followed him patiently seeing him stumble and fall they settled heavily down at a decent distance and watched him they saw him tear at the sand with his claw-like hands they saw him struggle again and yet again to rise and fail they saw him draw the corner of his ragged robe across his face and their red eyes glistened with a solemn joy they drew nearer lord Thou hast been our refuge from age to age, before the mountains were brought forth, or even the earth and the world were born. From everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. The vultures paused, then with hoarse croakings of disappointment arose and flapped heavily away. A man had issued from one of the cave-like apertures of the rock and was walking slowly along the valley. His head was bent. He looked neither to the right hand nor to the left. Thou turnest man to dust, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. 
for in thy sight a thousand years are like yesterday as it passeth, or like a watch in the night, thou destroyest them, they fall asleep. The sound of the chanting ceased suddenly. The man stopped in his slow, meditative walk and stared at the shapeless heap which lay across his path. He knelt beside it and drew away the ragged cloth. In the morning he groweth like grass. In the morning it is green and groweth. At evening it is cut down and withered, cut down and withered. The newcomer shook his head sadly as he looked with keen eyes at the emaciated face and swollen purple tongue of the lifeless figure before him. Then, fancying that he detected a slight quiver of the muscles, he took the water flask from his girdle and poured a few drops into the half-opened mouth. An hour or more the stranger persisted in his apparently hopeless ministrations. At the end of that time, he was rewarded by a low moan. The sunken eyes opened, and an indistinguishable murmur issued from the livid lips. Drink, drink, friend. The breath had well nigh gone out of thee, but thou art saved. Be comforted, and take of the water, for it is in truth the water of life. The vultures, gasped the other faintly. Nay, there are no vultures. Be comforted. God hath had pity on thee, and hath saved thee out of all thy distresses. Canst thou stand? By way of answer, the man struggled to his feet, leaning hard upon the shoulder of his rescuer. The sun was sunken behind the blood-red cliffs, and solemn shadows filled the little valley. The savage blue of the sky had softened to an infinitely tender, opalescent hue. No longer did it appear to close in above the rocky heights like the lid to a tomb, but rather to recede into remote and mysterious distances. No trace of cloud or fleck of wing sullied its purity. Be comforted and walk yet a little way. There is shelter and food near at hand. And so, by slow degrees, the two came to the cleft in the rock, which in truth was not far distant, and there the starving man ate and drank like a child from the hand of him that had saved him. And when he had eaten, he immediately sank into a deep sleep. Strange dreams visited the desert cave that night. They clustered thickly about the heap of dried shrubs whereon lay the man whose feet had passed quite through the valley of the shadow of death, only to turn back again. At the first, there came to him a vision of many men and beasts traveling along a stony wilderness, the burning desert flint underfoot, the burning Syrian sky overhead. On and on they toiled, and as they went, the pitiless sun climbed its appointed way till it stood in mid-heaven and looked down at them with red, murderous eye. Then suddenly... For so it seemed to the dreamer, the sun fell, enveloping them with sheets of awful splendor. The scene changes. He is in a great city now, walking down a long street lined with stately colonnades. Past him hurries a great multitude of every nation under heaven, Arab merchants, laden with their precious wares, 
Egyptians with their dark faces and gay robes, Roman soldiers, fair-haired Greeks, Syrians, Jews, Phoenicians, Edomites, mingling and intermingling in endless confusion, amid a deep, monotonous humming as of a gigantic swarm of bees. He himself, so he fancies, is leading a blind man, and with infinite difficulty keeping him from falling beneath the feet of the reckless crowd. Suddenly the gay street vanishes, and in its place stretch long vistas of yellow desert. He is riding again beneath the fierce eye of the sun, riding swiftly to escape something that pursues him from behind. Through long ages, it seems, he flees onward, ever faster and faster. His mysterious pursuer gains upon him. It is clutching at him from behind. His beast is falling. Ah, he is alone now, staring up vacantly into the brazen sky, shut in on either side by walls of naked rock. What is yonder black speck against the unanswering heaven? God, the end has come at last. But not this, not this. Turn, Jehovah. How long? And pity thy servants. Fill us each morning with thy love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Give us joy for the days that thou hast afflicted us, the years we have known adversity. The dreamer turned on his rough couch and opened his eyes. The cool light of the early dawn streamed into the narrow opening of the cave and rested like a benediction from heaven upon his burning forehead. Thank God, he cried aloud, thank God! His eyes fell upon a gourd of water placed within his reach. He grasped it with trembling fingers and drank long and deep. Thank God! I also thank God in thy behalf, and for myself that I was able to save thee, said a grave voice at his side. But come, break thy fast, that thou mayest recover thy strength more perfectly. Thou art as yet weak and fevered. Who art thou that hast saved me? cried the other, trembling. Surely thou art Saul of Tarsus. Even so, and thou art Silas, the son of Ezra, of all men most miserable. Nay, call not thyself miserable, who livest to thank God for thy life. But I have sinned. Have not I sinned, who of late made havoc of them which believed on the anointed of Jehovah, pursuing them even unto strange cities in my fury? Yet hath God had mercy upon me, in that he hath revealed to me the truth. Thou wast honest in thy wrath against the disciples, groaned Ben-Ezra, but I, what canst thou say to me? I knew Jesus of Nazareth while he yet lived. I saw his miracles. I heard his words. Nay, I was convinced that he was the Christ of God, and for a time I was numbered with the disciples. But when he was seized by the chief priests, I was afraid lest I also should suffer. I fled from Jerusalem till his death was accomplished, and afterward I denied him, not twice nor thrice as Peter did, but daily, hourly. How can I be forgiven when not content with denying the persecuted Christ, I also denied him risen, ascended, glorified. For all of these things were known unto me, 
and not once did I doubt the truth of them. Yet because of my cowardice, I even joined myself with them which hated Jesus, and when persecutions arose against them that believed, I made common cause with the chief priests, insomuch that I received position and advancement at their hands. For this cause also was I chosen one of them who should accompany thee to Damascus. Again, I beheld the glory of the Lord when he appeared unto thee by the way. But for me he had no word. I have sinned beyond forgiveness. Would that I had died yesterday and that the vultures had devoured my polluted flesh. What wast thou doing in the desert alone? I fled from Damascus beneath the scourge of an accusing whisper which pursued me from behind, groaned Ben Ezra, hiding his face in his hands. What said the voice? Nay, I know not, but it was death. Why hast thou saved me? I must again go forth. Saul was silent for a space. He put forth his hand and touched the other upon his bowed head. Silas, son of Ezra, he spoke solemnly, I cannot speak unto thee with the authority of a holy man. Binding thee, put thy sins behind thy back, and rejoice in the Lord. For I myself have sinned too grievously. I came forth into this desert place, that here I might commune with the Eternal One in solitude. For he hath showed to me this much, that I am set apart for his service. Now, therefore... I will withdraw myself into the mountains to fast and pray this day in thy behalf, and I will entreat the Lord to reveal his pleasure concerning thee. Do thou remain here and cease not to humble thyself before him till I shall come back unto thee. With these words he turned away, and Silas ben Ezra, remaining behind in the cleft of the rock, heard his retreating footsteps growing fainter and fainter, till at last the silence of the desert settled down once more over the little valley. All that day did Ben Ezra remain upon his face in the shelter of the cave, but at evening he arose and drank of the water and ate of the bread which Saul had placed ready at his hand. Then he sat down in the door of the cave to wait. When at length the first faint stars shone in the depths of heaven, he heard afar, off on the mountain, the sound of solemn chanting. The sound drew nearer until the measured words were distinctly audible. With waiting I waited on Jehovah, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He raised me from a pit of destruction, from the miry clay, and set my feet on a rock, making firm my steps. He put in my mouth a new song, praise to our God. Like the song of an angel fell the familiar words upon the sore heart of the listener. He arose to his feet and stretched out his arms toward heaven. And I, distressed and needy, the Lord careth for me, my help and deliverer, thou, my God, tarry not. Ben Ezra cried aloud in his joy. He knew that he was forgiven. The day following, Saul journeyed with his guest till they were come to the borders of the wilderness. There they parted, for Ben Ezra was minded to return to Jerusalem. I must confess my sins before the disciples, he said, and before the chief priests also, 
that I may witness how great things the Lord hath done for me. But Saul returned again to Sinai, that he might be alone with God. End of chapter 5 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana